We kind of live in this generation where we expect things to happen instantly. We expect instant results. You know, we live in a social media generation where you get kind of instant likes, instant replies, instant comments. And y'all, friendships are not instant. Deep, meaningful, and genuine friendships are not instant. They take time, they take work, they take investment. Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses here, and you are listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. This podcast is a spinoff of my blog, BrittanyAMoses.com, where I talk about the intersection of faith and mental health and how that applies to our everyday lives. You're listening to episode five. Today, I want to talk about a topic that is just plaguing our generation by the numbers and increasingly as studies are showing. And that is loneliness, man. Guys, whether you're just feeling alone, you're just feeling super misunderstood, whether you're just feeling like you don't have anyone. I've been in this place. You know, I know a lot of people and friends who have been in this place, especially in this generation, especially when you're going through even just some life changes with age where you might have to work a little bit harder at having deeper and closer relationships than you used to. Uh, Some of it has to do with major life changes where you've just lost maybe the community that you once had, or maybe you struggle with social anxiety. Honestly, some of it I think is laziness. It's easier to sit in bed and scroll through Instagram and Facebook and connect with people online than it is to get up, get dressed, and go meet somebody somewhere and sit there. You know, there's just, uh, there's a lot of dynamics to it, but it is, it is an issue. And we are biopsychosocial beings. Our social health is so tied to our mental health. And so I want to talk about it. Let's, let's just talk about it from a real place because it is a real issue. Now, according to a new health insurance study by Blue Shield, major depression is on the rise among Americans from all age groups, but is rising the fastest among teens and young adults. The data is showing that among young adults aged 18 to 34, 4.4% had major depression in 2016, compared to 3% in 2013. That is a 47% increase between 2013 and 2016. Laurel Williams, chief of psychiatry at Texas Children's Hospital says, there's a lack of community, there's the amount of time that we spend in front of screens and not in front of other people. If you don't have a community to reach out to, then your hopelessness doesn't have any place to go. She adds, I wouldn't say that social media is responsible for a rise in depression, more the being rushed and lack of connections that we have in the structure of how we live now. Okay, guys, I mean, so here's what we do know. Loneliness has been connected to suicide, depression, and other mental health disorders, as well as impacting physical health concerns. Having an intimate relationship with another person is so important to mental wellness that researchers have recommended that mental health clinicians treat loneliness directly and on its own, apart from all the other dynamics of mental health. Like I said, we are biopsychosocial beings and a lot of mental health, a lot of mental wellness comes from living a life in, in balance. And a lot of times when something is off in our lives, when we are depressed, when we are anxious, when we are especially lonely, that is a sign or a symptom that there is area, there's an area of our life 
that is off balance, that is lacking. And a lot of times, if we just kind of work on that, bringing that one area of our life up, it can greatly relieve some of those symptoms that we are having in our lives that's causing us to have a decline in our mental health. So I'm just trying to think, you know, when I look back on my life and on the times and episodes where I struggle with depression, I can honestly say that I was not as connected to people and community during those times. I was a little bit more isolated and it's it's hard because what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the depression that causes you to withdraw and be isolated or is it the withdrawing and being isolated causing the depression? It's probably both. It's probably continuing in a cycle feeding off of each other. And it's hard because with some life events, loneliness just kind of comes with the territory and you have to work through it. So for example, for me, I had my son young. I had Austin at 19 years old. And that was a very difficult period for me at first because my life changed greatly. My life did not look like those around me. My life didn't look like my friends or people my age. I was settling down and working and managing a family where all of my friends were kind of out doing things, exploring life, exploring themselves and whatnot. And a lot of my friendships faded away, not because anything bad happened between us, but just because our lives look different, our priorities look different, and that just came with the territory. So I think postpartum depression is so real. That is something that I went through, and I do think a big factor of it is that life change. You know, we don't have enough conversation around it because having having new life is such a great thing. It is something to be celebrated, but there's also this dissonance or this dynamic where along with that can come a lot of loneliness um, because you are kind of losing some of the dynamics of life that you once had and you're acclimating to a new way of life. Another tough transition for me that happened more recently was when I moved back to California from living in Dallas, Texas. I had made some of the best friends of my entire life (laughs) in Dallas that were very much aligned with the season of life I was in and the type of person I am. So when I moved back to California, I found myself having to rebuild my circle, having to rebuild my community. I didn't really have anyone when I came back out here. And that was also right around the time that I had a pretty bad episode of anxiety and depression uh, and just feeling like I didn't really have anyone. I felt very isolated. So that's just my story. That's me being open and honest about a couple of times. Uh, There's also for me the daily struggle kind of of having to maintain that social health because I work from home. You know, uh, I go to school. I'm, I'm a single parent. So I have to make extra effort to get out and meet people because it is not within my daily walk of life uh, just interacting with people unless I make myself go and do it. But if there is something that I could stress more than anything, it's that having a few solid people in your corner, you don't need a gang, even if it's two or three people that you know you can turn to and be real with when life gets heavy, when life gets dark, that makes a total difference in how you move through your trials and how you recover from a crisis. But let's be honest, 
a lot of times we get into a crisis and then we look up and realize we don't have anyone to turn to or we feel that way. And a lot of times it's because we didn't take the time to build up those relationships before the crisis happened or before we had that trial. We kind of live in this generation where we expect things to happen instantly. We expect instant results. You know, we live in a social media generation where you get kind of instant likes, instant replies, instant comments. And y'all, friendships are not instant. Deep, meaningful, and genuine friendships are not instant. They take time. They take work. They take investment. So really... It's when it comes to these things, it's the idea of preparing for it before you need it. And of course, that doesn't mean you go into a relationship out of selfishness because that does turn people off. When you try to make a friend, go into a friendship and it's all about you and what you need and you're constantly take, 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 but you never give. You want other people to be there for you, but you're not there for them. That's not going to work. People can sense that. Those aren't fruitful. And people get drained and exhausted uh, because they feel like I'm not getting anything out of this friendship, just being honest. So that can't be the motive. It's it's a take and give. Relationships, all relationships are a two-way street. And going back to what I said earlier, honestly, and I, I am guilty of this too, I think that we have just gotten lazy when it comes to building relationships. Because now you could just go online and comment on your friend's posts or like their posts or DM them. But think about it. Think about back in the day, back in the time before cell phones, if you were around or (laughs) talk to somebody who was alive during that time, I guess, you know, you were forced to go and see your friends because there was no social media. You know, there was no texting. So if you wanted to connect with somebody, if you wanted to catch up with somebody, or if you needed to talk to somebody, you had to plan a time to meet. You had to call them on the phone or page them on their pager and say, let's meet at this time. And again, when there wasn't cell phones, you couldn't call, hey, I'm on the way. No, you meet there at that specific time. So, you know, social health and personal contact was a way of life because you had to, because they didn't have the circumstances that we have now, where now we have the option between actually going and seeing someone or just leaving them a comment or sending them a DM. Since we see our friends' lives online and we like their pictures and we comment on it, we have the illusion that we are up to date with their life and that we are still connected with them when really we're not. You never know what is really going on in a person's life. And social media is just the tip of the iceberg. It is not enough to tell you the deep, hard truths of where a person is mentally, what they're going through, maybe in their marriage, in their relationship, or just the recent hardships that they faced in their life. And that's okay. You know, everything isn't for social media. But don't fall for the illusion that just because you're up to date with what's going on with their life online, that you are actually connected with them. Okay, and I'm going to be real. Another reason why having healthy friendships is so important, especially for those of you who are single, I believe that having healthy, supportive, and fulfilling friendships will help keep you out of falling into bad relationships. 
out of getting with someone who is bad for you. Because a lot of times what happens is your choice to date somebody who is toxic and not good for you is really not a choice. It's more of a reaction. You're reacting out of loneliness instead of choosing out of a place of security and saying, you know what, I can do with or without this because this is or isn't good for me. So all of that being said, let's talk about some solutions. Let's talk about some real life solutions because let's face it, when you get to a certain stage in life or when you go through certain life changes, making and maintaining friends takes work. It takes investment. It takes perseverance and keeping at it. And it takes building an emotional bank. You know, think of a, a bank. You have to put in in order to withdraw, you can't just keep withdrawing. You have to be investing in that emotional bank with one another in order to be able to withdraw from time to time when you need another person. So for the person who is either trying to rebuild your community, find community, or just get better connected with the community that's around you, it's the simple truth that is easy to say, but oftentimes harder to do in life. And that is you are going to have to be proactive, period. Deep and meaningful relationships do not just fall into your lap. They do not just walk up to your doorstep and say, hi, want to be friends? Like, <laughs> you know, like my, my son does. I, friendships were so much easier when we were kids. I see my, my, my son, he just will walk up to a kid and say, hey, you want to be my friend? Like, why can't we do that? Just walk up to somebody? Would that be weird? I don't know. But a lot of times that starts with going into the spaces where you will find others who are like-minded. So, for example, if you're into fitness, maybe you join a fitness class. Or if you're into painting, maybe you join a painting class. Or if, obviously, as a believer, being involved in a church is a really big deal because that is where you find like-minded believers who share your point of view and your worldview. Okay, so whether you search these things on like apps like meetups or, you know, you go to your church and you find, and you ask, hey, do you have a small group for young adults? Do you have a small group for singles? Do you have a small group for moms? You know, a lot of times churches will have categorical small groups where you can meet with people who are in the same walks of life as you. That is a big deal. Now, let's be honest. If you are new to this group or if you do not know anybody, for a lot of people, that is a big fear, just walking into a space alone and not knowing anybody. And I'm going to be honest with you, it can be very awkward at first because you walk in and you're kind of like, where do I go? Who do I talk to? It's always great, actually. A lot of times I found that somebody will come up to me, especially somebody who's maybe a leader in that group, will come up and say something, and that's always nice. So you do kind of have to get past a little awkward stage sometimes. That's just a part of life. That is just a part of change. That is just part of being in a new space, period. There's a small, slight awkwardness you have to walk through where it's like you don't really know people, you don't really know how the program works, and you just keep going. That is my challenge. That is my encouragement to you. Even if it feels slightly uncomfortable in the beginning because you are not acquainted with the people or the space there, keep going. Go the next week, go the next week, go the next week. And I and as people see you consistently there and get more acquainted with your face and you continue to make those conversations here and there with people, it will grow, it will build. You'll get more comfortable with those people and they'll get more familiar with you. 
and relationships start building. So that is my biggest advice when you're going into these new spaces and meeting people. Do not run away because it might be a little awkward and uncomfortable in the beginning. You're going to have to push through that and it will be worth it. You might find the best circle, the best, you know, friends of your life because you decided to push through that little phase. It is the same thing with making one-to-one friendships with people. Okay, so I have made a lot of friends from social media. I have made a lot of friends from me or someone else, you know, sending me a message because you kind of notice, oh, hey, we're kind of into the same thing, or I see what you're doing over there, and I love your mission, let's connect, let's sit down and have coffee, and you go meet them for coffee. Honestly, meeting new friends is almost like dating. You kind of have to do this little dance to find each other's personality and connect with one another. But then once you're in sync, then you can be talking for hours if you click with that person. We don't always click with everybody. But also I want to recommend just because you don't click with someone right away doesn't mean that automatically rules out a potential friendship. You just might have to get through that stage where you're trying to kind of acclimate to each other. And for those of you who might have social anxiety or are really nervous about meeting someone new or you're just like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, my encouragement is to start by focusing on the other person and not yourself. When you go meet them or you go meet with somebody, ask them, how are you doing? You know, what what are you doing in your life right now? What's up with this season of your life? What are you working on right now? A lot People love talking about themselves, just honestly. And... It shows investment as well, and so just go into it, go into it as a learning experience. Like, this is an opportunity for me to learn more about someone else, and you'd be surprised. You might find that you have things in common with their life or with that person, and you'd be like, oh, I totally know what you mean. I was going through this the other day, or I went through this at at a time in my life too, and then boom, connection. So maybe you go into it starting off with them and not yourself. Now, when you're dealing with a mental diagnosis, especially those that include very high and low swings, uh, major depressive disorder, or even uh, BPD, borderline personality disorder, there can be there can be a strain there between relationships um, and just fear of abandonment and whatnot that makes it hard, and it, it can make it like you have to put a little bit more effort into it. And my encouragement to you, which is something that I took on when I was dealing with depression is to handle it in steps and goals and even have someone hold you accountable. So when I was going through depression, I called up a girlfriend. She knew what I was going through and I told her what my goal was. I told her, look, I I want to get out more in the community. I want to build more community here, make more friendships. I found this group online, you know, and this group at church. And I want to be. I want to be going consistently. I want to go every week. Uh, it's at this day, at this time, you know, Thursday at 7 p.m. every week. Can you hold me accountable to this? And she did. You know, she put it in her calendar, and then she would text me and say, you know, on that day, how was group today? You know, how did it go? And she'd just be there for me, and that was awesome because it really helped me in my recovery. It really helped me progress. So. My encouragement to you would be to set goals for yourself. Maybe your goal is, look, I want to build deeper friendships. I want to build better relationships, and I want to be more intentional about it. Okay, first of all, do your research. You know, look online, visit a church, look at 
apps like meetups or whatever and find those circles, find those spaces, again, that share the same interests and values as you and decide, you know, I'm going to try to keep going each week. That's going to be my goal and have someone hold you accountable to it or find a support group. NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, usually has a peer-to-peer group, which is free. And I think like every county pretty much around the U.S., where others who have a mental diagnosis are open to share about their struggles and about that journey. And sometimes finding commonality in that is very healing. If you're finding that you're having a really hard time maintaining or holding on to friendships because of your diagnosis and it's causing a lot of people to misunderstand you or causing you to push people away, I have an article on my site It's titled, When Your Friends and Family Don't Get Your Battle with Mental Illness. And I'm going to post that in the show notes in the description below um, because I think if you take a read at that, it, it might help sort that out for you. And lastly, I have to say this because I keep seeing it like in articles and in responses when somebody reaches out and they're like, I feel so lonely. I feel so alone. And I see these blanket statements that, people in the church give that's just like, well, all you need is Jesus. Just rely on Jesus. And, you know, obviously, yes, Christ is our source. Christ fulfills us in terms of our identity and who we are, in terms of his love for us, which is secure. But he put us on earth with other people. In Genesis, he tells us it is not good for man to be alone. We were wired to be in relationship with people, but we need to start viewing people from perspective of the whole person. There is the spiritual, there is the biological, there is the psychological, and there is the social. And guess what? Holistically, all of these affect one another. Yes, there are times in your life, which I can attest to, where there is a work that you have to do with yourself where it's just you and Christ and it is no one else and you need that foundation in him to renew your spirit, to renew your mind, to get yourself straight. But I want to leave off with one of my favorite scriptures about friendship and support and that is Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 12. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, The other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The Bible is very adamant about the importance and the strength in numbers and in relationships and the detriment it can cause to us when those relationships are not in place, especially when we fall. Who is there to help us if we're alone? And many of us have experienced that where we fell and because we'd isolated ourselves so much and we didn't take the time to invest in those relationships or persevere through them, now we're having to help ourselves up and that is much harder. And don't be so quick to give up and throw in the towel when you're trying to coordinate with someone and it seems like it's just not working out. Keep at it. Let's try again next week. Let's try again next week. 
um, because life happens. Uh, some of the best friendships that I have that are still longstanding are because we're both still persevering. We're both still understanding to the fact that we are adults <laughs> and there's a lot going on in life. And sometimes we're going to have to, you know, keep kind of playing around with our schedules to find a sweet spot in time. And that's okay. That's okay if we have to reschedule. Because when we do get together and we do have those meaningful conversations, it fills our souls. It really does fill us up. And that always makes it worth it. Again, the most effective support is the support that you had and built and invested in before you needed it. So that is my encouragement to you on this topic of loneliness and to me as well. Again, these are all things that I live by. Uh, so I challenge you to set a goal. Set a goal to meet someone face-to-face -face once a week and make that a priority. Even though it might seem like a little bit of a hassle in the beginning because you have so much going on, it will pay off. That relational contact in terms of your social health, your mental health, your spiritual health, it will pay off and it will be worth it. Don't wait until you are declining and in crisis to realize that you need people. Make it a priority now. Hey, thanks for spending time with me again on the podcast. Feel free to connect with me on social media. I'll put all my handles in the description. I love hearing from you guys and your stories and obviously just continuing the conversation. And if there's any suggestions that you have that you'd like for me to talk about here, I am so open to that. Be sure to download my Faith and Mental Wellness app where you will stay up to date on all things, all content that I put together regarding faith and mental health, including these podcasts, some vlogs I've been coming out with, and articles. If this podcast has blessed you or just connected with you in any way, I would appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes so others can be encouraged to experience the awesomeness of integrating faith and mental health. Know that I am always praying for those of you who are listening to the sound of my voice, you know, before and after these podcasts, that God will do a work in you and that you will continue to grow through this journey to freedom and living out your calling. Thanks, guys. Until next time.